Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jesse Moore, and welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Icon Leadership Podcast. Today, we have on the show Dr. Brian White with uh, Radiology Consultants of Texas. Hi, Dr. White. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jesse. Dr. White, tell the, the audience a little something about yourself. Well, I guess uh, the highlights are Texas born and bred, uh, raised in Friendswood, Texas, went to Texas A&M for undergraduate gigamags. Um, went to uh, UTMB down in Galveston, which is okay. Then uh, ran off to Virginia for residency, went to University of Arizona in Tucson for uh, fellowship, and then came back home. All right, all right. So uh, Married, three kids, okay. all girls. All right, good. All right, so tell me, so you do have some ties back in Louisiana, LSU area, right? Well, not LSU per se, uh, Lafayette, Lafayette. My my mother and, and her husband, uh, they lived in Lafayette, Louisiana for about five or six years. Okay. All right. So, uh, how long have you uh, been a radiologist? Well, I finished off my residency back in 2000, finished off my uh, fellowship in 2001. So depending on where you want to count it, you know, 20 plus years. Okay. So where at all did you, uh, go to school? Well, like I said, uh, Texas a for undergrad, University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston for medical school, uh, Eastern Virginia Medical School for residency, and then the University of Arizona in Tucson for fellowship. Right. So what made you want to be a radiologist? You know, radiology is one of these things that uh, you really have to, you really have to want to do it. Um I always wanted to be in medicine uh, since I was probably about 12 years old. Um, the death of my grandfather I've, was very traumatic to me and, and made me decide that I needed to grow up and I needed to really try to, to make something of myself to contribute to society and thought, well, you know what? Medicine's the way to do that. And it probably wasn't until until uh, undergraduate at Texas A&M when I took a, a veterinarian radiology class that I actually decided that radiology is what I really wanted to do. And then throughout medical school, um, I decided that interventional radiology is what I want to do because I, I really enjoy surgery as well. Mm -hmm. And being an interventional radiologist allows me to do both the surgical aspect and the radiological aspect uh, of the profession. Um, it's a field that's ever changing. It is a field that is technology driven. Um, it, it's something that we 
either directly or indirectly interact with every patient in the hospital and every physician in the hospital. So I really do think it's it's a field there that it's 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 underappreciated probably by the lay public, but but we contribute a great deal to the care of, of, of every patient that comes through the hospital. So explain to the, the audience on some of your procedures that you do uh, in uh, interventional radiology. Sure, sure. You know, there's there's a couple ways that I'll describe what I do, just depending on how, uh, how wordy of an answer that I want to give. You know, the short answer is there's nothing I do that you want to have to have me do to you. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the yeah. other, another short answer is every procedure I do, there is essentially always a surgical option, but typically we can do it quicker. We can do it less invasively. We can do it cheaper, which, which, you know, with the cost of medicine is certainly important, um, certainly important to patients and, 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 and to the system in, in, in general. Um, but also too, um, it's, we can often get the patients in quicker. Most of the things we do, we do under a local anesthetic or just what's called conscious sedation. You, you know, you're kind of wake arousable, but you're not really forced to sleep. So you don't necessarily need anesthesia. There, there's a lot of benefits to being able to have a procedure by an interventional radiologist versus a surgical option. Different procedures that we do, um, they range the gamut of microwaving tumors on the inside of the body as opposed to having the tumor have to be surgically removed. Um, we do arteriograms. We place stent in arteries. We block off bleeding arteries in the setting of trauma, also in the setting of tumors. Um, we do all sorts of different biopsies, uh, you know, lung, liver, kidney, bone, muscle, lymph node, adrenal, you know. Uh, just everything. The, just about everything, yeah. I, I think you, you exclude the brain, the eyes, and the heart, and I've had a needle or a catheter there, to be totally honest with you. But- we do a lot of pain management uh, type procedures, uh, in steroid injections in the spine for pain control. We fix uh, fractured vertebrae in, in elderly patients with uh, with uh, basically a type of cement mixture that that helps treat their pain from from a fracture. I, and, and really, just in a general sense too, there's a lot of things that we do where someone will come to us and say, "I have a patient with X, Y, or Z problem." what can you do to help because they're not a good surgical candidate or there's other mitigating circumstances. And and that's where we really get to kind of pull in all of the, the techniques and all of the, um, uh, 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 things that we know how to do in order to accomplish the goal and help that patient. Right. So let's get to the leadership part. So, uh, so when you're working with your, your techs, uh, the people that you're working with, uh, how do you determine who you work with what type of person you want to work with? Sure. I, you know, and, and if you look at it in the general radiology uh, platform, it, it's a lot of that isn't up to us. And, it, and it's, it's really system and the hospital and how they decide it. Um, but really where I can come from it is in the inner in, a, in the interventional aspect, because we do work so closely, and and, and I dare say I spend more times with them, more time with them than I do my own family. Mm-hmm. And really, you want to have someone who is very collegial. Uh, you know, I I personally don't look at uh, my role as I'm the boss and I need people to do what I say. I look at the role as yes, ultimately I am responsible, but I want people who can bring something to the case, who can bring something to that patient, who, if they see something, they can they feel comfortable alerting me that hey, you know, we did something else on another patient. 
do you think we can try that? And mm-hmm. and really, it needs to be a lot of give and take. That the, the person needs to have a lot of confidence in their own ability. Of course, they need a spark. They need to be good. You know, all, all the things that you would normally sure. want out, out of out of a. Uh, I'm going to say coworker. I'm not going to say employee. Out of a coworker, um, and and you really it really works well when you work together as a team. Um, that that is of of primary importance to me. And so it has to be someone you get along with. It has right. to be someone that you trust. It has to be someone that you respect. And it has to be someone who's willing to be a hard worker. Um, I, I, that I absolutely insist upon. Okay. So when you hear the words diversity, equity, and inclusion, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, the the way that I see that, at least as far as having the greatest value is in the diversity of ideas, the diver- diversity of knowledge, the diversity of background. Um, to me, that's where someone can bring in a lot of uh, a lot of benefit. Um, for my own aspect, you, you may have gathered. You know, I, I went to different school for undergrad, different school for medical school, different state for residency, different state for fellowship. And I did that intentionally um, because I wanted to be able to gather the ideas and the the expertise that are seen around the country because it does differ so that I can bring that into my own practice. And, and that's where I see that, that the diversity really um, – really makes a big difference is in that diversity of ideas, knowledge, and background. Uh, as far as equity is concerned, to me, equity means everyone should be given an equal chance, that you should be able to uh, make your decisions on who you work with based on who that person is and, and not some sort of underlying um I guess expectation is the, is the right word. You know, I want to know that person, and I want to know that that they they deserve to be there. They earned right. that spot to be there, and right. and they aren't given something because they're someone's cousin or kid or whatever else, but because they well, really deserve to be there. And, and to me, that kind of includes the inclusion part sure. as well. I got it. That you don't you don't not allow someone to be there because of I don't know because they're not the right. They're, they're not yeah. the right person, so right. to speak. Sure. Or, or they, the right. they don't look like you. They don't look like me. Don't exactly. act like they you. They don't act like me. I don't right. want to. Right. I don't want them to look like me or act like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to be me. Right. Absolutely. They, they be them. <laughs> so, what are, are your thoughts on the current state of diversity and inclusion and equity in yeah. our society? You know that that's a you know unfortunately that's a I, I see that as a little bit of a loaded question because it's one of those 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 questions where at least in the current political climate that there is no right answer that's not going to have people upset with you. Um, I think that as a society, we've made a lot of great strides towards what is typically considered the diversity, equity, inclusion algorithm or, or maybe not algorithms, the right word, but, but ideal sure um certainly have a long way to go and to me the the biggest problem that faces um truly making this a society where everyone is truly equal where your diversity really does help where it does matter um, and where people are truly included is people need to get out of their own way people need to really just see someone who is in front of them as the person who they are and, and again, not some sort of predisposed uh, belief or expectation. You know, right. know that person and, right. and allow that person to be themselves. Right. So it's, 
honestly, there's some good parts, but we got a long way to go. We got yeah. So, uh, so how can we better educate people about you know diversity and, and, and inclusion? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, You would have had to let me know that question probably about a week ago if I was going to give a a, a good answer, uh, other than. Um, just to say that to me, a lot of that actually, it's not about being taught that in a school setting or in a workplace setting. Get, that gets taught at home. Right. Absolutely. That gets, gets taught by the family. That is something that you learn from your parents and you learn from your neighbors and you learn from your siblings that this is the type of person who I want to be. Um, so to educate people on it, I, I don't know that I got a good answer for that. It just starts with family, right? To be totally right. honest, right? Yeah, your upbringing. Yes, sir. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. So when you when you promote these type of things, so what are the benefits of of this? Well, I, it, it kind of goes back to what I said yeah. earlier: is that ultimately you can, and, 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 and of course, speaking in my profession, but I think this is applicable for other ones as well, that you can bring a better experience to the patient. You can, you can look at the problem in different ways because you have different eyes. You have people with different experiences. And, and ultimately, we're there to help the patient. Right. That is our goal. Our goal is to, is to heal. Right. And it can't just be, well, it's my way or the highway. It can't just be, I'm right. I'm the doctor. I'm always right. Cause I'm not, right. I'm not right. I've got a good idea. I'd like to think, but someone may have a better idea or right. someone may see something that I didn't pick up on earlier. Right. And, and so that's the real benefit is just bringing the different ideas, the different experiences and being able to bring that to bear and to ultimately do what we're there to do, which is heal people. Right. Absolutely. So do you have any personal experiences with diversity and inclusion? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say, uh, uh, only in the sense of looking at people who I want to work with. Um, you know, y'all probably can't tell just based on my voice, or maybe you can. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in Friendswood, Texas, which everyone basically looked like I did. They talk like I did. Their families had the same education. Nearly everyone worked for NASA or for defense contractors is a very homogeneous looking society, a very <laughs> homogeneously educated society. And if, if nothing else, one of the things that did teach me is once I got off to a, a larger platform, and some people would say that going to Texas A&M isn't a whole lot different than, <laughs> than where I went to, uh, where I grew up at, but certainly in medical school, certainly in residency, certainly in fellowship that you learn that, huh, there are other thoughts out there. There are other ways of doing things. The way that, that, that you know, things occurred in my hometown, that really isn't the best way to do it, or that really isn't a fair way to do it. That's just all I grew up knowing, and it wasn't until I got older, until I got out, until I explored, if you will, other parts of the world. Right that you really start learning that there is real value in having these different thoughts and, and, and experiences that, that you can learn from. Right. So uh, when I was growing up, you know, uh, 
I was just like in this bubble, like in this little town in good old you know. Bunky, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so you know, but when I moved to Texas, you know, it's just like uh, to Houston. It was like a melting pot, mm-hmm. you know. And everybody just, I mean, just went about their business. You seen interracial couples. You seen uh, black, white, Chinese. You just saw everyone, you know. And and everybody just you mind their own business, you know. And mm-hmm. so and so yeah, that was that was quite an experience. You know, it was quite a uh, culture shock for me sure. when I moved to uh, Houston, Texas. Sure. So, what is what is health equity to you as a physician? To me, health equity is doing what's right for the patient. It it means trying to not only do your best care for that patient but also to making sure that that patient understands that they have dominion over their own body, that they are ultimately the ones that can and should decide um, what happens to them. And and, and so often in medicine, I, I, I know, I say I fear, but I know that Patients are told, this is what you need done. And patients go, okay, you're the doctor. That's what I do. And, and I really don't, I personally don't like that. Equity to me means allowing patients to have a real input into their health care, to have a real say in what is done to them so that they can really under, and, and, and make sure they really understand what you're doing. And, and equally important, what you can't do. You know, there are limitations to everything we do. Some are little, some are great, but people need to understand that. People need to be able to make a true informed decision about what their care is. And to me, that's that's the real equity is when you have that full autonomy of yourself and, and everyone respects that. Right. To me, that is health equity. Right. So, Dr. White, you do read, uh, you do interventional radiology and you, uh, you read, MRIs, CTs. Oh yeah, you, you I, do, I do all the regular radiology yeah, stuff too. You do that, that's where I'm headed after we're uh, after we're done here. Yeah, right. So, and you also read mammograms. Yes, so, sir. Uh, there's a higher death rate uh, from breast cancer among African American women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been linked to the stage or extent of the cancer at you know the time it's diagnosed. So, tell me, does race or ethnicity affect breast cancer risk? Uh, it can. Uh, it, it can in in a number of different ways. Um, breast density can affect your risks. Your your lifestyle can certainly um, affect your risks. And, and as far as more towards, uh, of course, genetics plays a big role. And, and I have to admit, I, um, I'd have to go back and, and re- do a little, re- refresh my research as to whether or not the true differences in the at least the known genetic risk, the BRCA1, BRCA2 genes in different ethnicities. I have to admit, I don't have that off the, off the, sure. the top of my tongue. Sure. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I dare say that part of the reason that African-American women do have a higher rate of death from breast cancer um, has to do with the fact that there is a lower amount of access or reduced access of mammograms to that community, whether it because of price, 
whether it be because of education, meaning women being educated, the importance of having their mammograms, of having their annual screening. Um, I, I don't think it has any any bearing as far as the, the individuals, the physicians reading the mammograms, because quite frankly, we don't know all that sure. when, when we read a mammogram. We, do, we don't have that information. Um, but I do believe it has to do with, with African-American women taking – a, an equal amount of opportunity to get those screening studies and to follow up on those screening studies. Right. Um, that, that, that's a big, that's a big problem too. And also too feeling comfortable when they find something on their self examinations and coming in and having it checked out, of course, with, with lower socioeconomics of that particular community, that plays a big role. I mm-hmm. feel something in my breast. Well, I hope it'll go away because I can't afford to go to the doctor. And, and we and, and you do see that, that, that people are afraid to go to the doctor because I don't have the money. And if they do find something, then I'm not going to be able to make rent or I can't afford to be off of work for however long. And, and whether they think about that, and, and this is this is for all people, but that unfortunately sure. that community tends to be, I believe, more affected by it. That that whether again whether consciously or unconsciously, people make those decisions to put off their care, for for financial reasons. Right. And 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 that certainly certainly does does affect those statistics. So uh, education. Yes. Do you think that would, you know, help the communities out if we educate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, education. education um, and, and it needs to be in a form where people have buy-in too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to tell somebody. It's another thing for that person to take it to heart and put it into practice. Sure. Okay. I got it. Yeah. So the, the University of, of Virginia. Yes, sir. Uh, Frank Bratton School of Leadership and Public Policy. They purchased, they published an article on June 30th, 2020. And it says black Americans are systematically undertreated for pain. Yes. Why? I don't do a lot of pain. Now I told mentioned earlier about pain management, but that's not, this is in a different realm for what you're referring to. Uh, it's because of an, an underlying bias that African Americans are going to become addicts. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that, that is, that is my belief as to there is an underlying prejudice that, when you see problems of narcotics and drugs in communities, yes, it, there's a lot of different historical reasons for why it, it does more greatly affect African-American communities. But I believe that does bleed into um, the ordering practices of some physicians that this is where that, per, they, again, whether it be consciously or unconsciously, they think that that is going to be ultimately a problem. And so they are undertreated for pain. Wow. And some of them think that we, uh, black people, uh, experience uh, less pain than our counterparts, white people. I don't know that to be true personally, but if they believe that, then they're yeah, then they're sadly misguided. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me this: how? Because their bedside manner is 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 important. Absolutely. And patients can tell if they are if they feel like they are discriminated against. I would think so. Yes. So how do you avoid uh, racism uh, in healthcare? You treat everybody as a person. You 
you treat them as a person regardless of how it is they're getting to you. Um, whether they be the pillar of the community, whether they're coming in as a prisoner who needs care, whether they're coming in, you know, dressed in more expensive clothing than you could afford in a year, or they're coming in rags off the street. It doesn't matter. You treat everyone with respect. You treat them as a person. And, 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 and that's what you do. You, you treat them as right. people, not as a demographic, whatever that demographic may be. Right. So uh, how does God uh, play a role in your line of work? I think God plays a role primarily in the individual's, the, the patient's individual belief in, in, in their faith. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, far be it for me to suggest that one religion is better than another. Um, I have my beliefs. You have your beliefs. Um, they may be same. They may be different. Uh, that doesn't mean one's better than the other. But I will say that those patients who do have a strong belief, and, and we'll use the term God, because mm-hmm. some people, of course, have other beliefs as far as a deity is concerned or if there is even a deity. But your faith, your spirituality, it makes a big difference in your ability to 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 fight your disease, if you will, to... Um, to be able to bring your spirit, your spirit to bear on the disease process, I personally believe allows you to have a better outcome. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. So, so when you go in to do a biopsy yes. of a patient, you're looking at the films, you're looking at the images, and you clearly see that there's a lump, a mass, a lesion, or something there. Sure. Your partners have looked at it. You went over it and studied it with other, you know, physicians, and you say, you know what, uh, it could be cancer, it could be this, or it could be that. But we're leaning in cancer. Everybody's mm-hmm. thinking about cancer sure, because when sure. you see a lesion in the lungs or something like that. Sure. So you get the patient on the table. Yes. And you go in to look and see where you're going to biopsy, and you don't see anything. Okay. W- w- so where do you so okay so how do you explain that? It wasn't cancer. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> That's my explanation. And yeah, you know, it's it's. I, I I have to admit, I take a little bit more, I guess, secular, if you will, view on that, um, in the sense that I, I I'm I'm not necessarily a big believer that you can pray your tumor away. Um, and, 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 and that's not in contradiction to what I just said earlier. Um, I I do think that it does go hand in hand. Um, I think that yes, miracles do happen every day. Um, but you know, there are a lot of really good people who have died from really bad disease. And that's, that's kind of the, the, morbid but old joke in medicine is you have someone with a really bad horrible disease well they must be a really good person because it's the people who don't seem to be really good who just never get sick and you know again it's 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 a bit of a morbid joke but it is a joke that that is is uh has been around ever since i've been in medicine for sure um 
but ultimately, yeah, if it's not there, it's not there. And, and you just kind of have to assume that, that, um, it, it, it either wasn't cancer or it was one of those very rare examples where we don't know why we don't have a explanation, but the body was able to take care of it. Um, we don't know everything in medicine. We don't know all the processes that, that, that occur in the body. We're, we, of course, we're always trying to learn. Um, I, I think a good, a good way of explaining this in, in a, in a, um, in a more scientific way rather than in a spiritual way uh, would be to look at the new immunotherapies that have been coming out for treatment of cancer. This is a relatively new branch of medicine that um, is really showing really very great promise in, in treating a number of different malignancies. And it's a, it's a, it's a technique, if you will, that was almost lost to history and that the, the gentleman, and don't give me a line to say I know his name, I don't know his name, is, and, and it was up in New York, as I remember, back in the 19-teens, 1920s, when we really just didn't have a lot of treatment for cancer. You'd cut out what you could and just hope for the best. Well, he had noticed that, he was a surgeon, and had noticed that in a number of his patients who wound up getting a pretty bad staph infection during the surgery to have their tumors removed, fully knowing that they didn't get all of it, well, the tumors disappeared. And, and, and he couldn't explain it, and so he undertook a, a, a trial where he would directly infect patients who had, who had terminal cancer just to see kind of what would happen, mm-hmm. uh, not really understanding the immune system back then. And a small number, but a number of patients got better. Well, um, like the physician who is laughed out of medicine for saying you should wash your hands in between every patient, he was basically laughed out of medicine. And it wasn't until I believe his granddaughter who went in, who wanted to learn about this family member who found the, who knew that he had been in medicine and then was basically kicked out of medicine. And she never understood why she kind of really did a lot of investigation and found this out. And, and it was actually from his records where a lot of the new idea of using the immune system to treat tumors have come from. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it's an example of being able to, you know, use what's out there in nature, use what, you know, what your body's given you, what God has given you, to, to fight this disease, and, and it's just a matter of, you know, paying attention and looking and being open to those ideas. You know, a little bit of that goes back to always trying to accept ideas from other people or at least at least understanding them and trying to take, you know, the good parts away from them. I, I don't know if that's an answer to your question, to be honest with you, or the answer you're, you're hoping for me to give to your audience, um, but it's just no. a, it's a long-winded way of saying... No. There's a lot of mysteries out there we don't understand. Um, you know, a, a lot of them are rooted in science ultimately, um, but just because you believe in science doesn't mean that it wasn't put there by God for you to find in the first place. Right. Okay, I got it. So, but uh, yeah. So, uh, tell me about your uh, who's your role model? Oh gosh, um, you know. I, I don't have any one role model. I have role models from different 
people throughout my life, whether they um, being my parents, who I always will say that I learned my manners from my mother and I learned my respect for women from my father, which is the way that I think it should be. Um, my grandfather um, was a man who, if he owed you a nickel, he would walk halfway across this country to pay you that nickel. By the same turn, if you owed him one, he'd walk that same distance and get that nickel. So there, there is that give and take. Um, you know, there are, you know, one that you know, that may be a little little close to your heart is, you know, the Marquis de Lafayette who came and who really is a, is, is a true hero uh, of America um, who came over from a life of privilege in France to fight for this, you know, the, this cause that, of the of, you know the United States of America that at the time seemed like a losing proposition, and, and allowed our country to become you know the 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 country that it is today. You know, right. You know we do have flaws, but but nonetheless the principle was there. Um, you know it, I I remember back being asked a question in I can't remember if it was residency or it wasn't residency medical school or something like that that asked me you know if you could meet one person in history who would it be well you know the the answer is um is uh, uh alexander the great of macedonia who you know who who you know who looked upon you know his lands he had conquered and he wept because there no more more nor were no more uh lands to conquer it wasn't about the conquering it was about that everywhere he went that those people who if you will he conquered then voluntarily followed him he re he he resupplied the ranks of his army with all the different lands he's went through because the people wanted to follow him be interesting to to meet the man or meet an individual sure. for whom that is the case. Uh, you know, so there are, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people who you know, I, I think about as far as who I find as role models, but not, not to be honest with no, no one person. Right. Okay. All right. No problem. So diversity and inclusion are essential topics that we all need to be talking about, you know, sure. to make this, uh, this America a better America. Sure. You know? So in this world, a better world. Absolutely. So Dr. White, I would just like to uh, thank you, man, for coming on the show and uh, giving us your uh, uh, expertise on, <laughs> on, uh, on. Oh, I don't know if about expertise. <laughs> I, 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 my, my family does tend to tell me I'm a little bit long winded in my, in my explanations and, and, and y'all probably, have learned that, that they're not lying about that. Oh no, man, we're good. We're <laughs> but uh, it is my pleasure, and I'm I'm always happy to have to to you know to to talk and and sure. and sure. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your your podcast. So the door is open for you to come back anytime you like. All right, very All right. good. Maybe next time we can talk about some other less less uh, weighty topics. Oh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> very good. All right, thank you everyone for listening to the Icon Leadership Show. Thank you. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com or you can email us at iconleadership at gmail.com or our website, which is iconleadership.org.